you know what this is. A commercial? Right, and you know what that means. Time for a snack? Wrong. I want you to do some heart-healthy exercise. Yes, you. Try some seated leg extensions right now. Just lift each leg up and extend it straight one at a time, six to eight times. I can do that. Yes, you can. Remember, every commercial is a chance to sneak in heart-healthy activity. Visit findexerciseanywhere.com and speak with your doctor to learn more about the risks of heart failure. Minnesota Vikings fans, welcome back to the Purple People Eaters podcast as part of the Living in Loserville podcast. And guess what? Speaking of living in Loserville, I think you guys saw the Twins game today. But hey, that sucked. It was 1-0, then it wasn't. There was an error, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Unfortunately, we are not talking a Vikings victory. They went down. 31 to 30, quite ugly the last quarter and a half. Um, it is what it is. I'll say this, though. If you look at the first two games, in this game as a fan, as someone here, Aaron and I, doing podcasts, at least we have some positives to follow up on rather than what it's been these first two weeks, which has been just a gang and negativity, um, plenty of negatives. We're going to cover them, but, um, at least you can, you walk away from this one, like, okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's great. If we can just do, you know, that type of thing. So we're going to break down, um, the loss to the Titans. And by the way, the game coming up on Sunday is in flux right now. Uh, they haven't postponed it. They haven't canceled it just yet. I just checked. But um, there were three players from the Titans that tested positive for COVID and five staff members. It sounds like the Vikings players are good to go. Uh, they're checking the staff and I think everybody in the building, and they're waiting on those results. So it looks like it's going to be kind of like the off season, where there's a lot of virtual Zoom stuff. So, um, and Aaron, before we got on, Aaron made a good point. You know, okay, if we can't practice, should the Texans be able to practice? Shouldn't they? Should they be doing Zoom? You know what I mean? To make it even. Um, it's interesting. Usually, you know, you don't start till Wednesday real practice anyway. So we do have a little bit of time, but that is something that we're gonna be kind of just wondering, but we're going to just look at it as if the game's going to happen and we'll predict it and whatnot. It is, uh, it's uh, two and three teams going head to head. And we had some Owen two stats last week. Now Owen three, even with that extra playoff spot is not looking good. You got to love cook and uh, you know, his all purpose game. And I mean, Justin Jefferson breaking out like crazy. Um, couple of random random turnovers both of them really random um and the defense looked good stopping all these field goals it was like hey we're the bend that don't break we're bend that don't break oh we broke oh we broke really bad and it's the second out of three games now uh that they've like you just give up four or five straight straight scores it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, but we are going to get into this, uh, try to find some positives. We got a question, you know, did the Vikings show enough 
promise or potential to even finish eight and eight? Or is the season completely doomed or is it somewhere in between? That's something that I text my co-host Aaron uh, a day ago. And that's something that we're all kind of looking at. Like, you know, everybody wants to tank, but it's not like the lottery system. You know what I mean? Like, will we be the worst team? <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Even if we were seventh worst, you'd still have, you know, that seventh slate, you know, so that goes throughout the draft. So I understand there's still positivities. But if we want to get this quarterback for the future, I mean, it's not all just, you know, the dude from Clemson. There is some other folks out there, but it's a good question. It is a good question. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it's a must win this week. If they even want to get seven wins, let alone eight and eight. But we'll, we'll get into this in just a second. If this is your first time listening to the Purple People Eaters podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropadope Radio. However, to listen to the Vikings pod, you don't have to go to Blog Talk Ropadope Radio and, and download the show there or listen to it in the browser. You can um, hear this show under the Ropadope Radio podcast at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, really across the board. Um, we're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network, which can be found everywhere, including Spotify. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. It's football, it's basketball, it's baseball, it's boxing, it's everything in between. And real quick, one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called AT&T TV now. It's live streaming cable. You do have a seven-day free trial. There's no annual contracts when you sign up. The plans start as low as $55 a month. You can stream it anywhere. They have the cloud DVR that comes in clutch. And right now, just for signing up, you do get a 30-day free trial of HBO Max. Now, here's another layer to this deal. If you sign up for the AT&T TV Now Max package, it already includes HBO Max. And you get um, a free month of Showtime. Something to think about there. AT&T TV now that's live streaming cable. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Aaron into the fold. How are you doing, sir? How's uh, how's things going? I know there is a uh, debate uh, going on, but, you know, I'm pretty sure people know who they're going to vote for at this point. <laughs> um, how are you doing overall, though, sir? Um, doing well. Yeah, you're right. People tend to be pretty set on who they're going to vote for. That's pretty much, uh, I guess, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing in the world. You should be able to be a little bit more plastic with your ideas, but you know, that's the way it is. I guess now I heard a stat, what 62% of voters, I think in a Pew poll said that, you know, nothing that could happen would change their, <laughs> their, uh, their mind. So yeah, that's where we are. But yeah, I mean, coming up on week three here and, uh, you know, it's a must win in week three. I mean, who would have thought that? Now we're 0-3, two 0-3s going up against each other. Something's got to give. And, uh, you know, still got the words for tanking out there. And people, I don't think, realize just how hard it is to tank. And then you're right. You know, getting the number one pick is extremely hard, no matter how hard you want to tank, because there's going to be other people with the same idea and the schedules and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, we'll get into that when we, when we get into that. But, yeah, I just it's getting old pretty quick. It really is, dude, and we're not used to this. As a franchise, we all know 
been in the Super Bowl four times. We lost them every four times. We didn't do the Bills, but still, right? But we've only had a handful of these type of seasons. And, uh, we're, well, I shouldn't, you know, it's, it's only on three. But just even saying that is like a joke, right? Um, <laughs> but there, it was a mixed bag of everything this week. Because, like I said, unlike... I mean, I guess you could say the defense played better last week than it had, but then the offense turned around and it was horrible. So this week, you do have some positives. And the way this thing game, you know, plays out, we're going to actually start with some positives this week. So, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Now, um, I say we're going to have positives, right, Aaron? And then the first thing that I'm going to say is one of the first plays uh, – for the Titans was a, a deep shot, 44 yards, right on our guy, Holton Hill. Um, you know, he got a haircut, like you mentioned, and that didn't do the trick. I don't know, this guy is just, just not that good. But it was three zip. You know, the bend that broke but didn't seem like it was going to break defense, um, they did a hell of a job there. Um, the Vikes had this weird, well, I shouldn't say weird three and out because they're good at that throw the year or the game but it was a screen pass that was covered up really well then there was a sack on third down so it was kind of like just a worthless one um there was kind of a weird uh the bad snap thing there was a weird call in there that that was kind of messed up early but it got it ended up just you know not really worried about it and, and sorry it ended up not even counting or because it's a really weird whistle thing that happened. But we got the ball back. And Cook had two nice runs. And at the end of a run, just the most, like I said, the two turnovers are really random. This one, he fell onto the ground and he hits, I believe it was Ham's shoulder pad, and the ball bounces out. It's like, Jesus Christ, he returns it a little bit. But once again, they help. So it's 6-0. Okay, no big deal. Next thing you know, we get the ball back. The Vikes look great. Back-to-back passes to Jefferson. And it was kind of cool to see Jefferson work into those big, you know, big plays down the field. The first, like, four catches were, like, you know, short yardage down the middle, you know, stuff that he showed on tape and LSU he's very capable of. But he got back-to-back catches. Cook scampered for a 39-yard touchdown. And it was like, okay, we're in business. Right at the end of the first quarter, a couple minutes left, seven to six. Irv Smith, who has been very herky-jerky, has had some dumb penalties, but I'll give him credit here. He did what I saw on tape do with Alabama a bunch. He lined up almost like an H-back, went in motion, and just went right down the middle, um, you know, in the hole. And obviously, Cook followed him, but he laid a key key block and I remember when we drafted him I watched the two games against Clemson and he either tried to do that or they had him doing that a bunch of times so that was key now he ended up messing up later and he hasn't had a great year thus far but you got to go to him too in the passing game you have to go to him of course I did see some clips that he hasn't really gotten open as much uh, as I thought he would but we'll see um they drive down the ball or drive down the field Harrison Smith end zone Right in the end zone, interception. I don't know why 
he thought he was going to D on it or something, but he got up and ran it out to like the 12. It's just kind of like, what the hell, dude? But once again, Jefferson, two more first down catches and a great catch on third down. It was like a 31-yard catch. Um, Cousins bides some time, which is something we've been asking for this season, something we talked about too. Found Thielen on that nice little play, 10-play drive, 86 yards, almost six minutes of clock. It's feeling pretty good at this moment, Aaron. The defense is showing up in the red zone. Um, they did stop us you know, on our turnover, and they didn't get any points on that other turnover. So I felt pretty good at this moment. Yeah, I did too. And, you know, Jefferson was a big surprise in that first half because I think it really did a lot for the offense. You know, Kirk went going to him, you know, was a huge thing. And now he's saying you've got that balance on both sides of the field Thielen can get less coverage, allows Jefferson to come up and play and be involved more. Still not seeing a lot of Irv Smith in, in those kind of passing situations, but I think that'll come uh, sooner rather than later. So, yeah, you start to see the field balance. Offense starts to spark a little bit. Holes get open for Cook. It's just kind of one thing leads to another. It's all interconnected. And the offense ended up, you know, having a pretty decent half defensively, I thought. You know, the secondary for who was in there held up well enough yeah that big bomb wasn't wasn't a great thing but uh you know i think they held up a little better than they had the previous weeks you didn't see harrison hand like everybody thought you were gonna see you ended up seeing chris boyd and uh you know uh gladney gladney got ripped pretty i don't know if that was the first or the second half but that wasn't very good but it turned out that was harrison trying to do too much so yeah you started to see what you thought was okay maybe things are coming together this is really positive and encouraging you know what a half yeah, and even Gladney, he did, you know, give up a play or two, but he did also have those couple of plays in the end zone where he was right with this guy. So we're willing to kind of let – he's a rook. So, I mean, he's still showing some stuff there, and you're right. The defense looked like it was showing up even on – I mean, sure, you know, they, they had a 12-play drive after we got up, but still they held him to a field goal. So it's 14-9, and now, what, two out of three weeks, we've managed to do a two-minute drill. And that was pretty cool. We had a, like a seven-play drive. I think uh, Cousins had a nice dump off for a screen to Cook. He was on 10 straight completions. And Butler made two good plays uh, for them, unfortunately. One in the end zone that, that kind of held back. Um, and I think Jefferson it was going to Jefferson. He, ma- he didn't make a play early enough on the ball. And he, he said that I've already made that adjustment. And you could see later in the game he did. He said that after the game, I should say. But still, I mean, 17-9, to uh, you know, Cousins, 6 or 7, 104, six first downs, targeting Jefferson. I mean, that's pretty nice. We know he could go over the middle. He showed that. Jefferson in the first half, hasn't. there hasn't been a rookie, a Vikings rookie, 100-plus yards in the first half since you-know-who, 1998, do I have to really say it. Um, and, you know, I mean – they had 58 yards, so the Titans did rushing-wise at half, um, which, you know, that's still pretty good. He had 11 carries, but we had 10 carries in 76 yards, 7.6, you know, with that, and six catches, 104. Um, I mean, at half, it, it looked damn good. And I'm glad you mentioned Boyd did get in there, um, and, you know, he played okay. We didn't call his name a bunch, um, but Glenn, then there you know, was the difference, Chris. Like the difference of, you know, 
it's hard to tell what the catalyst was there. It could have been play calling, could have been a lot of things. But you get the running game going, you get that other side of the field with Jefferson going. Now you got things to work with. You know, I think the two previous games, it was a lot of Thielen. Kirk wasn't looking around much or didn't have time to. And it started to get really one or two dimensional. You couldn't get anything to bounce off each other. And you really started to see three prongs there with the two receivers. And the running back, particularly Cook, had an outstanding game. You started to see, you know, how this offense could, you know, become something that you'd want to watch on a weekly basis. And it's nice to see that Jefferson popped up. It's wonder where he was the first two weeks, but, you know, he was a rookie. So, you know, you're going to give him some time to get in there. But really made a difference whether one helped the other or one, or the other helped the other one. Uh, it really made uh, for a much better offensive football to watch. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, I really like where they're throwing in the ball. It's like they set up those deep routes and uh, – yeah, I mean, he's going to get a lot of one-on-one, right? So the guy can do good in that situation. I mean, he, he proved it right there. And like you said, it took a couple of games to uh, really get a, some targets at him, but he got the start and look what he did with it. Now, um, sure, Cousins did get hit on a three-step drop, but in that situation, he probably should have just tucked the ball. Remember, he t- – <laughs> He tucked the ball last week in a ball we thought he should have thrown away. Um, but he, to his credit, that safety shouldn't have counted. He somehow – I still don't know how he, he got his way out of that uh, into the, into the one-yard line or whatever. But it's kind of like, dude, if it's that close – and I know it's a split second. I know on the third step you got hit, but still you can't – you got to really just chuck that, and you got to put more on it. Then you think if you're about to get hit, you got to just chuck the shit out of it because more than likely there's going to be some contact. And sure enough, um, pick, well, almost a pick six if it wasn't for that blinds. I don't even know why the hell. Well, I do know why because he's on defense. He doesn't know how to block <laughs> um, or when he needs to block because it was like, dude, you didn't even need to block there. But luckily that helped. And also, once again, the defense managed to. They didn't get anything out of it. I think there was a penalty that made it first and 20, and it backed him up on that penalty anyway, and they got zero points. So the two turnovers only cost us three points. The defense still playing good. What would you think about Cousins there in that, uh, once again, just a random pick there? That, that was not a good look. Yeah, it was deflating. And, you know, you come out of the half, you're thinking, okay, you got some things cooking here, no pun intended, and, and uh, you know, maybe come out, get the ball, drive down the field, get a touchdown. Got the exact opposite. Got the first play of the game or first play of the half. You know, bad pass gets picked. You know, if Clowney wouldn't have made that stupid block, things could have got really ugly. But yeah, I mean, it was disconcerting. But then again, like you said, you go on to the next defensive possession and you end that with Ngakwe getting a strip of the ball. And, uh, you know, I like him, man. I mean, you saw Everson last year a lot where. He couldn't, you know, you get close to the quarterback, could never get him, couldn't grab him, couldn't get him down. This guy just went right for the ball, knocked it out. Uh, you know, could have been a turnover, wasn't a turnover, but it really, you know, stalled their drive and made them kick a field goal. Yeah, you're right. It's like, hey, if you're not going to get him, just go after the ball. And he did. And, you know, we knew that coming in that he, he led the league, you know, in these last two years. Now we know why. I mean, this dude does attack the ball. And, uh, we actually did start to get more pressure. You know, we finally got some hits on it. Overall, it still is not a, enough. We only got three sacks through two or 
three three sacks, three games, something like that. But we did start to get some a little bit more hits, um, and that unfortunately did not, you know, continue. But Cook did have a, a dynamic, like thirty one or thirty nine yard run on a third and one. Um, that was pretty nice. Um, but I think there was like a, a false start in there. And, and, dude, that, that field goal thing, dude. Like, there's a false start to back us up to 54. Then they get a penalty. Then it's 49. We end up missing the goddamn thing anyway. It's like, okay, dude, well, what's going on here? This is this is not looking good. And it does feel like the Cousins thing, this thing, you know, we almost got that strip. It's like, dude, we just need – we need to we need another break here, um, and then the play action to Jefferson on that that touchdown catch and run, and and basically you're looking at 17 to 12, 8:57 mark, and with literally like a minute later, with eight minutes left, Jefferson has that catch and run, and where he you know he he, he got open, you could see he was clearly open because it's hit him in stride. And then he gave him the okie doke like he was going to juke him right on the short side of the field and just left him in the dust looking like Neon Dion um, dancing into the, you know, before he gets to the end zone, which I always like, um, as long as no one's behind you, of course. He left everybody in the, in the dust. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, this is what we've been looking at. It's 24 to 12, midway through the third what are your thoughts now? Because like you said, there was some teeter-tottering moments, and then all of a sudden we got a two-score lead. Yeah, forget the uh, forget the catch because he was wide open. Must have been a breakdown in coverage, but it was that move he put on. I think you saw it at LSU in some of his tape, but to translate that right to the NFL and get two guys to fall on each other and dance your way into the end zone, that makes an impression. He certainly made an impression. And I, I was like, okay, well, what do we do now with uh, the receivers? And, you know, my immediate thought was, geez, okay, so, you know, he's not Diggs, but that was Diggs-like. But I don't know if I saw Diggs do that to anybody besides maybe the Minnesota Miracle, where, again, that was, you know, an odd play. So, you know, this didn't seem odd. This seemed like a skilled move that he made, and it was impressive. And uh, so I was pretty excited at that point. We were up. Looks like we were up, you know, 24-12. Looks like we could ride home with this one. But then we go ahead and uh, let them run down the field. And uh, Henry goes in with a touchdown. So, you know. Yeah, eight-play drive. Like you said, Henry scores. You're like, okay, no big deal. Three and out. I think we gave up a sack. They go right down. (laughs) And uh, it's 20. Before you even knew it, I think it was a 65-yard pass. This was on Gladney. Um, 25 to 24, and you're like, what the hell? It was a three-play drive. You're like, what the hell's going on now? They did respond. 10 plays, 75 yards, eight, six minutes. It's 30 to 25. A beautiful – I mean, it, Rudolph is like the one of the best red zone guys. He made that just beautiful catch. A couple of nice runs by Cook. I think Cousins had a scramble. And Matson had that nice hurdle, too. A great drive. 30-25. to 25. We're okay. No problem. They give a 10-play drive up. It's 30-28. to 28. All sorts of, like, we got a couple of – I think we had a five-play drive, but Irv Smith had a penalty. It's second and 27. We get a sack. 
and and then they get the ball back in that that field goal dude 55 yards this dude is six or six i think three of them 49 plus could you have just missed one of them but once again the defense if you look at the last field goal touchdown touchdown field goal field goal and we saw the last four against green bay were all touchdowns 28 straight points you know the way we're built aaron we have to play a certain way, right? We got 180 yards rushing. We got some passers, uh, blah, 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 or, some, you know, some receiving yards. Everything's going good. What the hell happened to the defense the last five possessions? God, you don't know. I mean, you'd think it was fatigue perhaps, but, you know, they weren't. It was pretty well balanced. They weren't on the field all that much. I think maybe Tennessee figured something out in the secondary, or maybe they just decided that, you know, our – our defensive front, Chris, is really starting to become a question. Uh, you just – I think I heard the stat, and I think it's pretty accurate that of the three games, we've had one pressure from the inside guys of Jaleel Johnson and uh, uh, Shamar Stefan. That can't happen. One pressure in three games, that's not cutting it. And I, we, br- we quickly brought up the uh, that subject, of, what, a week ago, maybe a week before. I'm not sure which one, but – something's going on there. We've got a rookie in in Lynch that I'd like to see maybe get some playing time, but obviously the two guys we got in there aren't cutting it. And I think that has a lot to do with them being able to run the football. And uh, I think we saw a lot of that. I think they just decided to run the ball and uh, see what they could do. Another kicker, like you said, he didn't miss and they were not even in question. Any of those kicks, they were just right down the middle. Sure things, six of them. Uh, If we make ours, you know, we possibly win that game. So, yeah, I mean, it's kicking woes again. Not that he had a bad game. Missing one isn't terrible, but, you know, it's it's the difference in the ballgame, really. Yeah, and then Zimmer said, you know, he doesn't want to put too much blame on the young defenders, but, you know, that's you got to put some of it on there. But he also was calling out Smith and Harris, saying, you know, on that, Bob, uh, that bomb to Gladney, this is a quote, um, we had two safeties bite. And those are the guys that are supposed to, you know, Maybe they're trying to make a play. Maybe they're getting frustrated. Whatever it was, I mean that 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 was that was rough. And then in the last couple of you know possessions the bikes had, they had a three-man rush. Like I'm looking at a 31-30 with a minute 44 left. There's a three-man rush three straight times, and they get to the quarterback every single time. Now one of them was a. you know, a missed snap or whatever. But like you said, the interior defense we're not getting much out of, but the interior, as we know, guards in center, how can you get that much pressure with a three-man rush down the stretch, Aaron? That's where it's really scary. Yeah, that was an ugly performance in that last drive. For all the good that was before that, you just can't fathom how three straight plays, the offensive line is horrible. Uh, you know, the bad snap is just part of that. And, you know, you'd like maybe Kirk to get on the ball instead of trying to pick it up, but perhaps he's trying to make a play. But possession there is everything. You were even helped out by a penalty, gave you 15 more yards. You needed 25 yards to get a field goal on that play and win the game or on that series and win the game. You could do nothing. I don't think I've seen a worse 
you know, showing in that situation. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed situation since maybe like Tavares Jackson I don't think even he was that it was a calamity of errors there and to put the blame on one person is just not right it has to be on maybe three or four the interior offensive line Samia get trucked all game long uh, Bradbury with a bad snap I thought he held up decently but the grades don't show that and then you know you don't the thing is you're not hearing a lot of bad things about Dozier but he's just kind of thrown in there I think he's probably playing decently you're not seeing a lot of things coming out of his side which is good maybe we do have a guard but we sure need another one and and that was just uh you had a chance to win the game you completely blew it and uh that's just unacceptable yeah and even before I mean obviously uh, you know the defense put us in a situation where you're like you guys got to stop one of those drives but yeah, it was ugly. It was yeah, ugly. In my game log, I just put wow for that last drive. <laughs> just wow and three exclamation points. Yeah, and um, we talked about before – well, actually, before we get to some things that you'd like to talk about, Cousins, um, before today, teams that had a 180-yard-plus rusher were 46-5 and five in the last 10 years. That's now 46-6. and six. And three of those losses, you know who. The Vikings are responsible for that. A couple other numbers that are fun about 0-3. These are the six teams in NFL history that started 0-3 and, of course, the old postseason format to make the playoffs. This comes from Dustin Baker. Um, 2018 Texans, 98 Bills, 95 Lions. So, hey, we got a chance if the Lions did it, right? 92 Chargers, the Bucks back in 82 in the orange, and 81 Jets. So six teams. Now you get an extra spot. So maybe that would mean eight or nine or something like that. But the 0-3 is really difficult. Now I got some good and bad news. Uh, this is coming about uh, Hunter. Uh, he's regaining strength and getting closer to returning from what sources say. It's a herniated disc in his neck. Though he's unlikely to be ready to play, he's eligible to come off IR next week. Uh, optimism is still high. He'll be back. This is uh, Tom Pelissero. Uh, so you're like, okay, so we're not going to keep him on the He actually is going to be activated, but he won't be in the game next week. And now we think it's actually, a, obviously it's a real injury because we wouldn't have been this careful um so 
We know we're not going to get Pierce back. We lost Barr for the season. We lost his backup for almost the season. Well, we think it may be the season. We don't know for a fact, uh, but he's on the IR, uh, the rook from Oregon. And so Oregon, um, you know, it's it's not looking good, but having Hunter would help a whole lot on the edges in this passing league. Um, so, like I said, there's a mixture of positivity and at least with this year. And remember that question that we posed, did the Vikings show enough promise to have that eight and eight record still, or is the season just doomed? It doesn't matter what happened or is it somewhere in between here? Well, that's a tough question. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, Daniil Hunter, that's a herniated disc in the neck. It's, that's like a boxing injury. I know with all your boxing podcasts, you probably heard of those injuries and maybe how long it takes to, to get back from those. But, you know, the neck's a very uh, important and sensitive part of the neck. You want to make sure he's healed up before he comes back, particularly uh, the way this season's going now. Eight and eight even seems like a stretch at this point. I'm, you know, it depends on if Hunter comes back. It depends on how well the defensive backs can can pick it up. I mean, Dantzler probably will be coming back this week. be nice to have him in there. Uh, you maybe don't have to see Holton Hill. Maybe you can go with Boyd. They were really targeting Hill. So the secondary is still a problem. And defensive line, like I said, if you can't stop the run, we're in trouble. And it, it, it's just tough to, to say. Um, going forward in the season, you're looking at, God, I, I think if you win six games, you're going to be lucky this year. Now things could switch on a dime and, you know, defense or offense could light it up and the defense could start to pick it up. But I just don't see that happening this year with a, such a herky jerkiness of maybe we can't practice and, you know, all this stuff. Now COVID's starting to rear its ugly head around the league. And, eh, you know, it, you want to see, eh, I guess you got to figure what are your plans? What do you want to get out of this year? We, we put out that, uh, little thought about what the season really is and are we rebuilding or slowly building or retooling? I guess I'm hearing a lot of that. And I like that idea. It's hard to sell, but I like it. And I think that you you should probably just try to play as many people as you can and see what you got. That doesn't lead to the best record, but you're already in a big hole. Uh, So I would say maybe a developmental year would probably be the best thing. And the best thing you could look for that would be like six wins. And everybody's going to say that's too many wins. We want a bigger draft pick. But you're right. There are other quarterbacks out there besides Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Justin Fields, uh, Trey Lance, even our own Tanner Morgan. There's guys out there. uh, So you don't necessarily have to have that first pick. And I think six wins or so will get you a high enough draft pick where those guys would be an option. So it's basically somewhere in between, and that's where I am um, with you. It's it's it just it's very unlikely, even with the extra slot, that we get to the playoffs. Um, well, Chris, I mean, sure, if you you know, if you could guarantee yourself the number one pick, right? Obviously, you'd do it, right? I mean, I think you would do it, particularly because Lawrence is there. I think I've been wrong before. I thought Ryan Leaf was better than Peyton Manning, but you know, he seems to be uh, what he's billed as. And from what I can see from my eyes and experience, it seems like he's probably pretty legit. Now, if you could if you could guarantee yourself the number one pick, let's just say, you know, okay, you can only win two games this season. Yeah, Would you go ahead and make moves that allowed you to reach that point? 
Or would you just, is that not fair to the players? Is that not fair to the staff? Is that not fair to the fans? Where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, it's a tough question because obviously, like you said, it's a theory. theory. We can't guarantee it. But I just don't know. Like, you're not going to start taking out your starters over and over. You know what I mean? So, which would be ridiculous. I mean, to just start taking out starters. Because uh, we don't have a deep team as it is, but you know the 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 roster that they went with this year is a kind of like we talked about. It's not a rebuild. We got too many core pro, you know players for that that are still here for many years. But it is a retool. If you look at that offensive line, you know I got to see Trent Williams t- trending on Twitter. Do you realize how hard it is to trend for an offensive lineman? <laughs> and he is. They're calling him their best line lineman. They're heart of their line when they got a stud line. Um, and I know Riley's been playing okay, but he, this dude's just a special player. He's like a Hall of Fame type player. That improves your line. We talked about how this guard stuff. Uh, Dozier might not be playing horrible con- compared to the other one, but you know what? I saw plenty of uh, you know all 22 views on some clips, uh, two minute clips that they show a bunch of the plays and. He's not playing good, but let's put it that way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I would definitely draft him and let him sit for a year and, and move Cousins, you know, so whatever you can do there. But, like, yeah, it just there's no guarantee, and it wouldn't even make sense to bench everybody. It just doesn't even line up um, to do that. So I, uh, I think we should just play it as is. It's, you know, I just think it's somewhere in between. I think you're six – Anywhere from five to seven is, do, you know, is maybe there. Um, but, yeah, five, six sounds about right. But I think it's somewhere in between. The season's not completely over at this point because we have too many core players. But I know Zimmer said he always likes to blame the offense more than the defense. That, that's obviously. But I, I understand not getting too down on these corners. But this is the corners you guys went with. Um and, and that's just the bottom line. The, the defensive line's not their fault. They couldn't have known Pierce was going to sit out. We didn't even know by the time, you know, we figured by the time August, we'd be in a lot better shape as a country with this COVID until mid-June that it popped off again. So if you had Pierce and if you had, uh, you know, our guy Hunter on the edge, it's a different defense, uh, at least somewhat. That's for sure. I think that's so – I don't know. Um, it is what it is, though. You know, what are you going to do? Um, say a couple of things that you wanted to talk about, Cousins, and what we're going to have to start to address. Even if we do get a, a young quarterback, no matter, like you said, it doesn't have to be number one. There are other guys out there. Um, you did want to kind of have a segment or maybe a mini rant about uh, Cuz. Well, I don't really want to rant or pre-talk uh, prior to the show. You know, it kind of put things in perspective, but I, I just want to kind of say the overarching theme here is that in the, what, three seasons now that he's been here, can you remember a time you were ever really comfortable with quarterback? It, it, that to me is a problem. It's particularly, you know, if he was uh, not making the money that he's making and eating as much salary cap as he's eating, it probably wouldn't be as big of a problem. But we're paying him like, top 10 quarterback and he clearly isn't that uh, we all kind of know that but 
you know, in 2009, when we had Favre and you really got to see for the first time in our lives what, what it was like to have that advantage of a quarterback uh, with the skills and the abilities that he had. Uh, and you put that in comparison to the kind of feeling you feel like having Kirk Cousins behind the helm. They're two different feelings. And not everybody's going to be Brett Favre, and that's obvious. But I think there are situations out there in the league where you can feel like a guy will step up and play on a Monday night, will not crumble at the end of a game. Uh, we don't have to make excuses for a bad pick, a really bad pick. There's always bad picks, but some of Kirk's are, are bad. Uh, so I guess my point is you can't put all the blame for this season or any season on Kirk Cousins. But I don't think that he is uh, the player that we're paying. Uh, and I don't think he ever will be. I don't think it's in his makeup. I've seen enough now where I don't see the competitive edge. I don't see the the poise when needed. I do not see uh, the leadership. Uh, and I think that had a lot to do with Diggs' problem. And... I don't want to be holding this back anymore. I want to come out and say that, you know, he's not the guy. Now we're in a tough spot because we've extended his contract. Being aware that he's not the guy now is, you know, not a lot we can do besides trade him. But to realize that not every quarterback needs a team built around him. I mean, they don't need, you don't need to have the best offensive line in the league. You'd, we keep hearing these things about, and I'll quickly end this. But, but above the average does help, though, right? Sure, but you can't have everything. And I think that your quarterback can help an offensive line be better, just as an offensive line can help a quarterback be better. I don't see Kirk. And wide receivers. Sure, the great ones make wide receivers better, no doubt. But there's some guys in this league you don't have to make excuses for. And, and I guess that's my point. I don't want any more excuses for Kirk. I, you just need a quarterback that you don't need to make excuses for every once in a while. Sure. Bad pass, big game, meltdown, whatever, every once in a while, but three seasons of, yeah, but it wasn't Kirk's fault. Quote unquote is, is just not what we're paying for. Well, when we talk about paying, he's the 14th or 16th, pay scale this year so that is not overpaying him next year i think it's going to be eighth or ninth or tenth it kind of matters what happens with dak i still don't think that's vastly overpaying him the 40 million dollars is set up not to pay him in that one year so the overpaying i just disagree with you on that and you get paid off your stats that's just how it goes like i said i'm not in fantasy but you know um i'll say this the, the level of criticism for Cousins compared to a Ponder or a T-Jack or a – just name them, veteran, Gus Farad, like so many mediocre to just garbage – I mean people are still asking for the quarterback a couple of years ago, you know, when we were second in attempts and had the number one defense in the league. And that guy's on his third team, but they're still asking for that. I'm not saying you are. Um, so I do think we need jerk like never before. He's not a great quarterback, but he's not a mediocre 
quarterback either. Um, the guy, like, you're right. Uh, he's not a great quarterback. He's not top five. I don't care what his stats say. I've said that from the start. But there's excuses and reasons. And we know that in life, in sports, I say this a lot in boxing, because sometimes, you know, a camp will say, oh, you know, our, we kind of banged up our elbow, you know, a couple of weeks before, or whatever. And it turns out that's bullshit. Otherwise, other times, though, the next fight, you're like, oh, wow, okay, you know. But since he's been here, it hasn't been an average line. And I don't know how, how many quarterbacks without a decent offensive line. We're not talking about Hall of Famers. But how many quarterbacks right now can thrive in a mediocre, even mediocre offensive line, let alone a bad one? They're, they're pretty good at run blocking. They, they made that jump last year. They're pretty good at it. But they are atrocious at it. So... To me, it's kind of like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but if you're – I mean, the Simmons dude tore us up. Um, I mean, just look at the numbers. He, he faced the – in this – you're going to say this is excuse. I say it's reason too. The third highest pressure rate of his, his career, for, out of half the drop – sorry, 48% of the dropbacks, he was getting hit. Six of the nine dropbacks in the fourth quarter, he got hit. So, and these are three-step drops. Uh, yesterday, the pocket, 1.7 average if we're going to go analytics. Analytics are weird sometimes. But to me, the guy is actually, and that's why I was down on him last week, because I thought he had faced, I thought he generally was just off and had a shitty game. But in week one, I did not see this shitty game. And besides that pick, I didn't see this shitty game. When you would do a three-step drop, I know you're not going to go through your your reads, all four of them, but you shouldn't be stepping on that third step or taking that third step and getting hit either. He has improved scrambling a little bit. I'll give him a little credit there, but I just think the level of criticism compared, and you know, we can't even bring Favre into the situation. Plus, look at that offensive line that Favre had. I'm not trying to line them up, but we – he, there's not many quarterbacks that can just do whatever the hell they want and be a top five quarterback without at least a mediocre offensive line. Um, so we'll, we'll agree to disagree, but um, we'll have plenty of time to break this down. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't want a quarterback for the future because any time that we can do it, um, look at the Chiefs. They're in a situation where they had a solid Alex Smith. Was he great? No. Was he pretty good? Yeah. Did he improve over the years? Yeah, because you know, in the Niners, that was tough. He wasn't. He wasn't that good. But he did improve with the Chiefs, and they decided to take a guy, give him a year, and go. Now, if that's what we do, that's fine with me. Um, Kirk Cousins is tradable because uh, there's like 15, 16, 17 teams that need a quarterback, so he's tradable. That 40 mil is just going to be kicked down. It's it's guaranteed, but not all that one year. It's just it's part of the extension, and you pay a lot for quarterbacks, and that is the price you pay. But to say we're overpaying them at the number 16 slot, and we haven't won a road game in quite a while in the playoffs. We did last year. I think that he's not as bad as some folks uh, think, and I don't think you're one of those that blame everybody, like the people in the forums. No, That's a I different planet, that. you know. 
Yeah, I think that you and I, we, we sit on the two glaring sides of the cousin camp. You know, there's my side of the camp and your side of the camp, not to be so black and white about it. But people feel either this logical people who are rational feel either this way or that way about it. And so, you know, we have a difference in opinion there. But, you know, my last way to sum this up in a question is, Chris, do you ever look at a game and go, you know, we have a distinct advantage against the other team because of Kirk Cousins? I mean, I never... I don't think I've ever gone into a game and said, well, we got cousins. We're going to be fine. You know, I've just never. And I know it's a, it's a rarity in this league to have that privilege, but I think that's what you want to find. And, you know, as far as the money, yeah, I mean, Kirk's making market value, but my point is that is he worth that market value? Not that he should or shouldn't get paid. You're going to pay your quarterbacks in this league. It's just is he worth that money is my question. I mean, to me, God, at this point. I mean, the last two years, I'd say, yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, it's just not as bad as – he threw six interceptions last year, and three of them were like throw-ups. Like, he didn't play that bad last He played very good. Did, was he excellent? Was he top five? No, but I don't know. I don't know. We're just uh, we're just going to have to – well, you know what? We're, like I said, we're going to have plenty of time because we may be having to have these specialized-type segments throughout the year because, hey, if we keep losing – Shit's going to get ugly. One quick note, the Vikings plan, if they can't return to the building until Thursday, again, they've been told to expect it to be at least 24 hours. A plan for 48 is to treat the, the, the game prep this week like they would a Thursday night game, basically. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, that would be their time. They're, you know, Houston on Sunday. Not ideal, but that's basically what they're going with. Um so it's kind of a weird thing to break down this game right now. Um, they can't run the ball well, which bodes well for us. Um, <laughs> they have Watson, um, who when he gets time or when he scrambles, uh, he can really make you hurt. They, they don't have the wide receivers that they did. They traded their best wide receiver, um, but they still have you know some weapons. Um, going into this game – you know, we still haven't – I think you made a good point uh, before we got on was that we still haven't heard, like, so are the Texans just going to get to practice? I'm assuming they are, and maybe they're judging it like, well, on a Thursday, we don't give you extra time or, you know, but we're both playing Thursday. <laughs> so I wonder I wonder what's going to come of that. But right now, as it stands, um, the Vikings are underdogs by not much, um, four and a half points. Um, the over under is set at 54.5. I do think this will be kind of a high scoring game, even though we don't even know if it's going to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on this game here? Well, um, you brought up some points about the practicing and all that, which is, is questionable, but I don't know exactly how much difference I would really make. Um, maybe some physical things. I don't know, but you know, you mentioned that the Texans can't run the ball until they face the Minnesota Vikings is how I feel about that. Uh, we can't stop the run, and it'd be nice if we could. Um, without Hunter, you're right, Hunter would va- vastly change this line, but until he's back, uh, I'm just not seeing any real solutions on the interior of the offensive line. I think Ngakwe is fine. I think whoever you put on the other side at the moment is fine too. It's that inside Jaleel Johnson, and I'm going to keep harping at this until something gets done with it. They're not, 
adequate at that position. You're getting no pressures. You're not stopping the run. There's space fillers at this point, and it's just not going to help at all, especially when you got young guys that can maybe get some time and see what you got. And uh, the longer they sit there, the more annoyed I'm going to be with it. But uh, I just don't see our defense being able to stop uh, the air game. I think Deshaun Watson can throw the ball and he can run the ball, and uh, I think that's a recipe for disaster for us. I think we'll score some points, but I think I'm with chalk here, man. I'm thinking definitely take the over. And uh, I got it 28-32, so that's exactly what the point spread is. And uh, I go 28-32 Texans. <laughs> that's funny, dude. I got it 33 to 30 um, <laughs> for for the Texans. Um, and right now, it's only three games, but the Vikes are giving up 34 points a game. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like I put such a big blame on the defense in that last five possessions. Cause it's like, dude, the offense put up 30 points. Like you can't ask a whole lot more than 30 and it does feel like it's going to be a shootout. So I'm right in the range of where you're at just a little higher at 33 to 30. Uh, Owen four is not how I envisioned it. And as far as playing guys, I think you hit it right on the nose, Aaron about, uh, Hey, at some point, we know Pierce isn't going to be there. We're not going to cry over spilt milk. You didn't plan for this. So I'm not going to sit there and highlight these two tackles as we need better players there because you had one who's a stud. But now that we're here, like you said, I do like the point you made on, all right, well, let's see what else we got. Is it going to get worse? You know, and probably not. Um, I wouldn't see how it would, and if it does, you know, what happens. Um, I just wonder how, you know, God, you know, just hope Zimmer's got this in perspective, you know, because this could drive this guy crazy, and he's got a lot of new parts, and, you know, I'm not really putting a lot of blame because I think once he gets his parts together, this will be another, you know, top 15 defense. Once he gets everybody up to speed, and I have that much faith in his defensive ability to coach. Uh, so I'm not really too worried about the future of the defense. I am worried about the future as in on Sunday, but as far as the long-term future, I'm not too worried about it. I think pieces will fit in. They just got to see more guys and see what happens. And I, I think the defense will eventually work itself out. I think that's the main project I want to see for the season is starting to get that defense back to where it should be with the new personnel. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm going to continue to harp on a, a veteran corner for damn near a minimum that was out there. But, you know, it is what it is. We didn't need them. We're going with the youth. But the safeties actually haven't played great either. Any last words, any sir? News on, uh, Go ahead. Got any news on Bateman? I was trying to check the internet. I didn't see anything. He's going to get cleared. He's going to okay, get cleared because there's already – you know, it's all about when you put it in and it slowly happens because there's a lot of players. But I've already seen five separate players get cleared. So he's, he's going to get cleared. Okay, that's a big that's a big deal. That really elevates the offense for the Gophers. And, you know, mm-hmm. check the schedule out a little bit. I mean, besides Michigan, if, if we're pretty solid, it seems like this could be a pretty nice season. Oh, yeah. The key is Bateman, like you said. It's, we were okay with Leighton Johnson, but to have them both would suck. And, it, like I said, it hasn't been cleared, but I've seen, you know, there's so many players that I've seen at least five guys that were first or second rounders that are getting eligibility. So I'd be – I'm never shocked at the NCAA, but I would be very surprised if that did not happen. So, um, 
And will we, that is, uh, glad that you brought that up because the last part of, uh, the pod normally is a gopher segment for those who we keep it Vikings. We know that's number one, but for those who are, you know, jumping on the bandwagon, come on, man, roll the boat. All right. We'll be back next week. Go Vikings. It, it sure would be nice to have a victory to talk about. We're out. Maybe the game won't happen. Who knows? See you next week. Peace. This year has us all wanting to be healthier and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage? If you're retiring, it's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage. Visit VSPDirect.com today. That's VSPDirect.com. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.